Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide leaders with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving health industry. Brought to you by Vynamic, Trending Health explores topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a few recent newsworthy items we think healthcare leaders should be considering. Fresh off the heels of J.P. Morgan Healthcare, I'm here with Dynamics Deal Activation and Partnership Enablement Leads, Sean Martin and Kevin Fletcher, to talk about what's trending now. Welcome back, Sean and Kevin. So great to have you guys here again. Jen, thanks so much for having us again. This is great. Yeah, thanks, Jen. We're excited to be back. Lots to talk about. So every year, J.P. Morgan organizes their healthcare conference, bringing together industry leaders, innovative upstarts, and of course, members of the investment community. With so much focus from the street, the conference tends to be a forum for tons of announcements for partnerships, deals, mergers, and acquisitions across the health industry. Kevin, what caught your attention this year? We saw over $6.4 billion in healthcare deals announced on the first day alone. Some of the major deals we saw were, one, Boston Scientific's $3.7 billion acquisition of device maker Axonix, which makes devices used to improve bladder function. We also saw Merck come in with a $680 million purchase of cancer drug maker Harpoon Therapeutics, which creates T-cell engagers with redirect immune system and helps kill cancer cells. And then lastly, we also saw J&J making a big splash with their $2 billion acquisition of Ambrix Biopharma, which focuses on antibody drug conjugates and targets medicines related to chemotherapy. The last couple of years we saw with COVID, the conference not being as popular or big, but it looks like things are are back in this year. It's definitely exciting news. And, you know, we discussed this in our most recent podcast when we talked about some deal making and the trend remains consistent. You know, according to our experts, major pharmaceutical companies, including those we just mentioned, they're looking to these deals for strategy to offset downturns or declines in their revenue for various reasons, but most notably, a lot of them due to upcoming patent expiration. And one of the examples I, I think of is these flagship products like of Keytruda from Merck. We see them in 2028. They've got so many indications and there's so much promise for that drug. But in a few years time, they're going to be thinking about what's next. And so that's where deal making and looking through the pipeline and seeing what else is out there can help offset and build that roadmap. The pharmaceutical industry is also pursuing some diversification related to its effects on the Inflation Reduction Act. We know that negotiation is going to be coming and folks need to be thinking about what that means and changes to co-insurance and the overall pricing as it relates to CMS and the pricing it gets from the big players. Lastly, I'd say notably the cancer and cell therapy treatments continue to be a high demand. That's an area that folks in the deal-making space are seeking out. They're attractive and folks are paying premiums to acquire these services and build out a complimentary suite of their products. Overall, we see there's really renewed optimism in the industry for deal making in 2024. This was perfectly summed up by Inizio's own biotech EVP, Dean McAllister, who actually attended the conference. You'll see he noted in a recent publication that after difficult 2023 for the industry, the mood overall at the conference was very positive, largely thanks to an improving economic picture a heavy dose of M&A activity, and an abundance of business opportunity. So that perfectly sums up a key takeaway from the conference and and where we see deal-making going in the new year. I think it's always exciting when you get to start the year off with the conference to see what's hot. 
seeing all that activity around the ADC space, some activity in radio pharma, of course, lots of conversation around GLP-1s and obesity, in addition to seeing all the big ticket deals come through. It's hard not to get excited when we're talking about deals on the range of billions with a B on the very first day of the conference. It just sets a really exciting tone for the industry, even though they're they're grappling with a lot of big problems, whether it's this looming patent cliff or some of the uncertainty in the Inflation Reduction Act. We always expect a lot of big ticket deals coming out of JP Morgan, but there's often a lot of innovative partnerships. Were there any surprising pairings that came out or big moves from the conference? Yeah, partnerships should always be considered one of those levers you can pull to look to structures for building out those capabilities, maybe in a little bit of a lower risk environment, but sharing some of the gain and pain with a partner. So some of the examples we heard coming out of the conference were Mayo Clinic around an AI startup called Cerebrus Systems. They have a really neat new AI capacity to improve accuracy of patient diagnoses. They presented an echocardiogram algorithm that can predict atrial fibrillation three months before an official diagnosis. That's huge. Another one is Option Care Health, a provider of post-acute services and infusion services. They're partnering with an analytics company, Palantive Technologies, for AI to use for nurse scheduling, patient onboarding, and supply chain management. It's more the logistics side of that. And there's definitely other cases, right? So NVIDIA drew the largest audience, showcasing its cutting-edge silicone chips, They seamlessly integrate with generative AI platforms. They boast that this technology is poised to revolutionary drug discovery. They recently announced that they're dumping a $100 million deal together with Amgen. That gives them access to over 500 million human genomes. We also saw, Sean, some additional partnerships in the digital health and health services sectors outside of what we saw in life sciences and biotech. Amazon led the charge in digital health with their announcement of a partnership with Omada Health. Omada will be their first virtual diabetes prevention and diabetes hypertension provider available in the Amazon's health conditions program. So we see Amazon continuing to double down on healthcare with that partnership. We also saw some additional health system representation from Jefferson and Lehigh in Pennsylvania. Executives from their team presented at the conference. We may remember that they announced a deal back in December about the merger of those organizations. And at the conference, they talked a little bit more about expectations of the deal and how completing the deal would really shorten Jefferson's expectations for a growth timeline. So initially, Jefferson had planned on growing their health plan and covered lives over a five-year horizon and doubling that completing this deal with Lehigh Valley, they expect that timeline to shorten from five years to two years. And so we know that post-merger integration planning is going to really be critical to the success of that deal. And then we also saw, you may recall, Beaumont Health and Spectrum Health back in February of 2022 completed a 22 hospital merger to form Michigan's largest health system known as Corwell Health. And so just two years later, that group is seeing over $200 million in annual savings from the merger. Yeah, much of that is being reinvested into other integration-related activities. The group does expect, though, to see $200 million contributed to the bottom line beginning next year, which would be about three years post-merger. So this really just helps highlight the runway that a lot of the organizations, especially on the health system side, are facing when integrating and trying to realize true savings to the bottom line. 
it's really cool seeing some of the data, Kevin, from some of these larger health system partnerships, acquisitions, integrations, because we know there can be so many sticking points there and a lot of troubles. But knowing that a lot of consolidation is happening in the industry, it's always great to see a, a peek behind the curtain. And not surprised to see a lot of movement in the AI partnership space as companies are knowing they need to get into the mix with AI. So exploring partnerships as a lower risk way to bring that capability on board and figure out how they can scale it smartly. As you both are looking at the conference as maybe a bellwether for the state of dealmaking in the industry, what observations or reflections do you have? There's a ton of activity, right? We just heard all of that coming out of the conference. There's even others in the news as well. At the end of January, we heard about Cigna's $3.3 billion announcement of the divestiture of its Medicare business to Healthcare Services Corp. And then not too long ago, the end of 2023, we saw two other large noteworthy deals. We saw AstraZeneca's acquisition of Graycell Biotechnologies, where they have cell therapies for treatment of cancer and autoimmune disease. We saw Bristol-Myers Squibb's $14 billion valuation for their acquisition of Karuna Therapeutics, second largest since BMS's announcement of Celgene. This acquisition of Karuna Therapeutics really enhances their capabilities in the neuroscience space. So as I step back and I think about these and these ones we mentioned earlier, it really does show that the tide is tipping and that there's, there's activity out there. There is reason for hope. I think the deals are probably getting extra scrutiny than they used to in the deals past. In 2021, capital was cheap and didn't have to have all that uh, scrutiny and a deal assessment due diligence gone into it. Trust me that it has its paces. But as we look to the macroeconomics and they start to ease, I think this proves that we're starting to move that way. But these announcements, they're really exciting and they're innovative and they get us kind of jazzed up about healthcare convergence. This is just supporting the case we've been saying for many years now. But I, I think for these folks and for folks considering deals, it's really the end of the beginning, right? By the time you announce, you've already invested a ton of work. There's so much work going into just finding the right partner, agreeing with that partner so you can get to the point where you can announce. A ton of work has dumped into it. And now it's really like embarking on the next phase. So I think of two major phases that these organizations are going through probably right now in pre-close planning and post-closure integration. I'd be remiss if I didn't share some of the keys to success we've seen folks focus on in these phases, things within pre-close, right? So what's your strategy to get to close? Is, there, is it a march towards close or you want to get the deal done and then move on? That gives some strategy to a day one, day two planning, whereby transition services agreements can be a mechanism to leverage the prior owner, if you will, up until a certain point, and then you can stand on your own in that steady state you had envisioned. There's lots of strategies to get to a close quicker or faster or even more thoughtful and plotting. So there's those types of activities. And then you always want to keep your talent first and foremost. Most of these organizations' talent is the biggest asset. So having those ongoing talent discussions, making sure you're being clear, you're thinking through your onboarding and the culture integrations for these organizations, that's usually a big work stream and a key to success in that pre-close phase. Then when you start to think about the post-closure integration, making sure they have a clear plan for synergy ownership. They put all these ideas into the formation of the deal. It's carrying through and making sure that someone has ownership and the people who typically will take that on are the folks best positioned post-closure 
to own those items. So doling them out in a thoughtful manner and making sure that there is pull through on the back end of the deal making. The last piece I would give some thoughts towards is the integration doesn't have to be a rush. You can think through the services that get your organization up and running, the organization that gets you to a divided state or a merged state. Given thought to what are the services that differentiate, right? So if there's non-differentiating services, more commoditized type services, you can kind of focus on those a little less, making sure that they get the job done. They're needed, they're required, but the services that then differentiate is probably where you spend most of your time thinking through what that day two view looks like. So all that to say, this is really the end of the beginning. These announcements feel like it's a culmination, but there's a ton of work behind these. And these folks are no doubt focusing on the right steps to get them to the close date and beyond. Sean, those were some really important nuanced points that you brought on there. And one final thing that I'd also add is as organizations are really planning for deal making, now is really the time for them to mobilize their integration management offices or kind of folks that are going to be leading the integration. We always find that, you know, waiting until the letter of intent is signed or a finalized agreement is there, it may decrease the time and in integrating activities. And so using some of this time now to really assess what competencies do they have in-house, where may they have gaps, it's now a good time to really mobilize their teams to prepare for integration. So all great points there. I love that point about this really just being the end of the beginning and taking that forethought before the ink is dry to really think about what does that post-close look like? What does that implementation and pull through to be able to realize those results? We know it can be a long road ahead to get there and really capitalize on the promise of all this exciting news. And I can't help but think here in the first week of February, the end of the beginning really resonates with me. We've kind of closed through that first month and now it's time to focus on getting done all those things that we laid out in our promises and resolutions. Thanks for coming on the podcast today, guys. We know the only constant in the healthcare industry is change, so I can't wait to hear what we're talking about next month. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. To help more listeners find the podcast, make sure to like, subscribe, or leave a review. For more information about this episode and the team behind it, check out trendinghealth.com. And to learn more about how Dynamic helps health companies transform by connecting strategy to action, visit dynamic.com.